out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Welcome to another edition of the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Uh, We are today having a guest. His name is Joseph Vargas. He's the founder of Keep Texas Red and the author of Democrat Modus Operandi, which exposes how Democrats manipulate emotion, negative branding, selective outrage, and language to attack conservatives. Um, He's also the vice president of the Juan Seguin Society and an auxiliary of the Republican Party of Texas for Hispanic outreach. Um, You can read his blog at keeptexasred.org. So we're very pleased to have uh, Joseph Vargas with us today to discuss some of the things that have been happening with the the sanctioning of conservative voices on the Twitter files, but also a lot of the things that have happened since the um, since the election. So the turnover at Twitter was was a fortune, a good fortune for Republicans coming into the election because the. The balances were off um, for the last major federal election, general election. <clears throat> so what do you think really happened there if you're going to Monday morning quarterback it? Are you talking about the Twitter? I'm talking about Twitter, Twitter influencing the election for this time, like this last election and this this general election that happened in 2020. Well, first of all, thank you for having me feed on the podcast. And definitely, I think it's been, uh, if you recall probably a couple of years ago, anybody that was calling out social media or any even the leftist media as a whole uh, for silencing any type of concerted voices or any, any voice that actually questioned, you know, the agenda that they had, uh, they used what I've always called a silencing technique, whether it be called misinformation uh, but it was just really silenced, you know. And you could, there's numerous examples of that, and it's really coming time. out with proof right now what that is. Exactly. I was actually going over some articles that were written like two, three years ago, and they would always say, you know, when it when it was a conservative pundit, they would always say so and so made this claim without any proof. They'd always use these words, proof without proof or baseless claims. But when it came to actually uh, anything with the left. They would run with it like if it was news, like if it had already been proven. So you could tell right away that they were biased, which is something that we should uh, already know. I've always said that the leftist media, I mean, they're not journalists, they're not reporters, they're leftist socialist activists posing as reporters to pursue their leftist agenda. So what is happening right now uh, with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, he's, um, I guess he got all the access to all the emails and he's seen that there is a lot of collusion you know between the leftist democrat party and a lot of the uh, not just the uh, management of twitter but also with a lot of the employees who took it upon themselves i believe it's like 99 percent of them uh had given to the democrat party so that's going to very much explain a lot of political stance which is not a problem but when you use that to silence another person's voice that's opposing that is not uh something that's America is about. So a lot of come up, you know, you saw another uh, tweet by uh, Elon Musk 
but apparently found a lot of stuff with Anthony Fauci as well. And it's probably fixing to release. Um, right, right. Let me break in and just, just tell the listeners that the CDC had an inside line and they were having meetings just like the DHS, just like the FBI. The CDC were meeting regularly with Twitter executives to interdict um, consumer information and people tweeting uh, about things that they did not want them to say. So it was open, bald-faced censorship uh, at the request of the CDC and the WHO. Do you mind if I read some of these new tweets that are coming out? So that there's a thread. This is Twitter Files Part 5. It just happened about 45 minutes ago. And this is Barry Weiss. So what it looks like right now is that Dorsey requested simpler language to explain Trump's suspension. Roth wrote, God help us, this makes me think he wants to share it publicly. So at one point, Dorsey was like, I'm so proud of this, I want to share it publicly. And then an hour later, Twitter announces Trump's permanent suspension due to the risk of further incitement of violence. So Dorsey was actively involved. And... So that, that was the censorship of a sitting U.S. president, which has never happened before in the history of social media. And if you recall, see, a lot of people that were saying that that was happening, a lot of people that were accusing openly saying that social media, the leftist media, they were biased against conservatives, against Republicans. They were called conspiracy theorists. You know, and... No. Which is not a crime. That's that's actually it's legal to be a conspiracy theorist. It's actively disparaged and disliked by the left, but it's not illegal in any way. You know, once again, you go back to the examples. You know, when uh, President Trump was accused of the Russian collusion, it was everywhere. You know, even though there was no proof, it was still an investigation. Uh, if you, any leftist channel, ABC, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, that you turned on. They were talking about it as if it had already been proven. They were talking about, and it always say, you know, an anonymous source told us this. We're seeing these things, you know. So uh, even in, in the uh, past elections, you had a lot of Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, that said that some of the elections were illegitimate. None of those people were uh, ever deplatformed. They were not accused of being uh, or spreading misinformation because there is an agenda. Is to push the leftist movement in the United States. Now, when the conservative movement started saying, wait a minute, there's something wrong with what you're doing, all of a sudden, in order to make the news credibility, they accuse him of misinformation. And the same thing happened with the Anthony Fauci with the vaccine. You know, any other vaccine you can question, you can question how good it is, you can even find out what's in it, you can request the results of it, any studies. But when it came to this last COVID vaccine, anybody who questioned it was deplatformed. And I think the real question that we need to ask ourselves is really why? You know, what's behind it? Uh, there was a purpose, obviously, in silencing any question, which is something that was unheard of in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So you have the leftist movement, They're, and they use all these words, you know, anti this, phobia this. But it's always the same things to silence any opposition. Uh, I'm sure you probably heard, I think Elon Musk appeared with Dave Chappelle at a show and he got booed. 
the irony of this is these leftist people were the ones that 20, 30 years ago, they were the ones uh, pretty much jumping on big pharma. They were pro-freedom of speech. You know, they were the ones that said we need to question everything. We need to question government. And now what happened between now and today that they're okay with censoring any opposing views? And to them, they justify that because it, it's a mental thing how they work it. You know, they they want to label somebody as wrong so that they won't have any right to present any argument. And this is what our public schools are actually producing right now. You know, they're teaching uh, these new generations how to use emotional thinking versus critical thinking. So when these people come out, they're emotional thinkers. So right now what they're seeing is they don't want to see any facts. Just how do they feel? You know, bad Trump, bad orange man. If you want to present some facts, they don't want to hear them. It's about how they feel. And so that's why they're against Elon Musk right now, even though he's in a lot of stuff, even that they would normally agree with. I mean, you know, his ESG score was so low, you know, even though he's the one doing the electric vehicles, but it's because it's not about saving the environment. It was really about, is he going to play along with the agenda? And since he's not doing it now, all of a sudden he's a bad guy. Let's switch horses. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you about the, <clears throat> about the, election here in texas we did have some some pre-talk about the fact that there's a lot of republicans who are imitating democratic policy which is strange to me and i came to this conclusion um over the the last weekend not this weekend but the last weekend before we booked the interview and i'm like "Mm, you know why do we have so many republicans imitating the behavior of Democrats, which doesn't seem to represent the party or or the constituency in Texas. And it is confusing because it would facilitate some other Democratic agenda when it's more censorious or injurious to, to the Constitution, maybe neoconservative, to a point where it <clears throat> it objectively pushes out the constitutional rights of the American citizen to the deference of a global or a global uh, hegemony agenda. And, you know, most most of the time you hear the words global hegemony cast with dispersions among the left. But we don't belong in every international conflict on Earth. You know, there's just not enough money that the American people can back. We, can, we are responsible for protecting America's interests first. But what we're doing is we're engaging in kleptocratic conflicts in Ukraine so that Biden can protect his oil interests there, his personal oil interests. And the insider trading going on between congressional leaders, you know, at at the top of our government. So there's like open-faced flouting corruption. In the meantime, you've got a lot of these conciliatory things happening there's they're acting like they're against one another when in fact nothing's moving and the only things that really are moving are things that don't necessarily benefit the american people so maybe maybe you can kind of flower that out or or explain that to our listeners how red texas is actually kind of blurple when it comes to somebody who's a, a republican leader 
Right. And to understand that, because that's a, it's a very, unfortunately, it's a very true statement. You do have a lot of elected Republicans that are voting with Democrats and a lot of the, the policies that they vote for, including here in Texas, um, a majority of the Texas House, they're probably facing to vote for a Republican Dave Phelan, who's going to assign Democrats as committee chairs. So it kind of makes a lot of people scratch their head what is going on. But to understand what is going on with the leftist movement, you have to get educated on the history of how this operates. So if you study how they've always moved in, you know, the uh, the left to actually get people from the right, there is a professor, his name was Dr. Carol Quigley. He was a professor at Georgetown University. Now, he was not by no means a right wing. He was actually a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, which is the arm of the United Nations in the United States. He wrote a book called Tragedy and Hope, which I encourage everybody to read, because in that he exposed a lot of the things that today, when people call them out, they're called conspiracy theories. But all of these things are coming, they're coming to happen, they're coming to be in our lifetime. So Dr. Carol Quigley, what he spoke about in his book, he said that what they do Regardless of whether you get elected as a Democrat or a Republican, when you reach a certain level of power, these people, the globalists, they come for you. So let's say that you get elected as a Republican, a conservative, you're an activist, you're here to save the country and preserve freedoms. Well, they come to you in your orientation once you get elected. You know, what they tell you is like, you know, we're glad that you got elected, but this is the way things work on you. If you want to be here around in, in the next election, you better play with us, with the globalists, and you better vote like we do. If not, we're not going to put you on any committee chairs, any committees at all. We're not going to give you any funding, and we're even going to finance somebody to run against you the next election. So what he said, and this is a quote from him, he said, the two parties should be almost identical so that the American people can throw the rascals out at any election, however, without leading to any profound or extreme shifts, shifts in policy. And that's what we're seeing right now. But... Once you get to a certain level, there's a lot of special interest and money involved where it's very easy to sell out. Now, to tell you how I understand this, let me tell you a little bit how I got started in politics. I got called into work in politics when I was 18 years old, and it was due to my studies in human behavior. Human behavior means how the brain works to react to certain words, to certain concepts, to certain ideas, depending on demographics, depending on race. Uh, financial status, culture, and religion, and so many other things. So when I was 18, I went to Austin. <clears throat> I got hired by a, a lobbyist. Now, my first uh, five candidates were running for state office. It was three Democrats and two Republicans. Now, being 18, I felt like I was, you know, be doing a duty for the country, you know. And I kind of like appreciate that this lobbyist was very open with me. This is what he told me. He said, Joseph, you're here to tell these people what to tell the voters so that they can elect them. This is based on their demographics. And he said, once they go to Austin, they're not going to vote for the things that they tell these voters. And then you're going to come back in, and with your studies and human behavior, you're going to tell these people what to tell the, the voters again, so that despite these people that didn't vote their way, so that they can still reelect them. And, he, and I said, wow, you think that's possible? He says, yes. He goes, people are very gullible. And we're seeing right now, 
That is true, especially in Texas. You know, we seem to talk about that we have a big problem with property taxes. However, all the candidates, well, the majority of the candidates that ran, saying they wanted to address property taxes, they lost in the primaries. Now, we also say, and we see that we have a huge problem at the border. However, the majority of candidates that ran, saying that they were going to define, you know, Biden and actually do something about the border, they are lost in the primaries. So the question is, why would we, as Texan Republicans, vote for the people that have not done anything about these issues? And it goes back to what Dr. Carol Quigley said. You know, it's just how the, the brain works. These people, you know, it, you make them feel a certain thing, and then you get into the studies of cultural hegemony, which was actually a, a term that was brought up by Antonio Gramsci, who was an ideologist, a philosopher from World War II. He was a communist. He said people are very easy persuaded that they have to settle for less. So conservatives could be told, you got to settle for this, and it's the best we can do. What the communists did is like, you're getting a loaf of bread per week, but it could be worse. So you should be grateful. So a right. lot of times, a lot of people mm. are voting that way. You're supposed to be grateful. Yeah, we're getting, you know, uh, 10,000 people coming in every day across the board, but it could be 100,000. So you better kiss my ring. Be you grateful. Know, yeah, I, I need to break in right now and, and just, just tell the listeners that uh, one of the best illustrations of the strategy that you just described is our brand is crisis that movie encapsulated uh the election engineering tactics of um emotional manipulation in a latin american election where there was no intention to carry out any any form or promise of of the person who got elected who was essentially an owned man very corrupt very corrupt official and it, it upended the country. And so at the end, uh, well, I won't go into the, to the film, but if, if you really are interested in how, how contravening interests get into power <clears throat> by modeling a Trojan horse, Our Brand is Crisis is your film. So you talked about uh, Keep Texas Red and the fact that, that there are elections going on right now based on property property taxes. One of the Keep Texas Red endorsements went to Kerry Isaac, who did get elected in Hayes County. And congratulations to Kerry Isaac. Um, she's been uh, backed by Governor Abbott and uh, Chip Roy, who's a, you know, a popular congressional leader from Hayes County. And <clears throat> it's important that people understand that majority of Hayes County went blue this this past season. And um, could you give a little bit further explanation as to why that happened? You gave some of it already, but just kind of help us out with a little little bit more because that was a big shock for the people who did go to the polls and, and did advocate, you know, for, for more responsible policy on that issue. One of the, the things that I think historically speaking we've seen is that the Democrats do a, a great job at we go out there harvesting campaigning getting out there with people you know it seems like i've said before they really want tyranny more than republicans want freedom because they're out there you know and then a lot of it has to do with the different types of mindset 
the Democrat mindset is more of a collectivist mindset, which means that they'll sacrifice their individual right for the benefit of the group. Versus Republicans, we tend to have more of an individualist mindset, which means we kind of stick to ourselves. You know, we only we think that just by going ourselves and voting, we've done more than enough. And the Democrats, they they don't just think that way. They're on a mission. You know, they actually uh, they're determined to pursue their agenda. So they get out there, they're involved, they go out there, they do a lot of block walking, they do a lot of. Uh, the mailing ballots, they do a lot of different things like that. They reach out to people, but the main thing is that, that I think that they do, that I've seen them do, and I talk about this in my book, is they manipulate emotion. If you notice, every argument that the Democrats present is always emotional, and there's a reason for that. Um, the part of the brain that interprets emotion is called the limbic system. And that's also the part that influences a lot of the human behavior, how we react to something. So if they tap into the human's limbic system, an emotional argument, then it's going to have a lot of influence on how these people vote. And the Democrats know that. And I tell you that because back in the 90s when I was consulting, that was something new. But I know that they have a lot of other people working with them doing these kinds of things. The second one is negative branding. Negative branding means if I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican, I'm going to find a way to make you lose credibility, to make you look the bad person so people will not listen to you. And so instead of me having an honest argument with you on policies, I'm going to use negative branding. And that's something that a lot of the Democrats use, and they use it in his county. Selective outrage is another thing that they use. Selective outrage pretty much means that it's bad if you do it, but it's not bad if I do it. Mm. And we see that a lot. You know, that's a selective virus. It's very selective. You know, you can see the headlines when something is by is done by a conservative media, but it's not something bad. But when a Democrat does something, you find it maybe on the sixth page, you know, of the, of the newspaper. And the last one is language. Uh, they've enabled, and the immigration problem is due to that. You know, they changed the definition of, of so many words, one of them being like illegal dealing. You remember illegal dealing is a term that was a federal code for for decades, there's usually never any problem. Mm. But let me, let me stop you right there and refer to Myra Flores. Now, Myra Flores was in a heavily Democratic district, and she did the evangelical door knocking. And she got out there and advocated her point of view. She reasoned with the people who live there. And the people who live there are having an entirely different experience than what is maybe conveyed in any of the publications you might read today because it's not getting the coverage. So let's discuss like some of the things that might be happening in her district in the RGV, Del Rio, um, and, and the location area that seems to be trafficking a ton of people, like seven to 1,800 people a day. And some of the Greyhound bus station activity that, you know, I can't be the only one talking about it. So so I'm going to let you kind of, I'm going to take off the leash and let you just talk about that for a little bit. Well, it goes into how I was talking mm-hmm. about how Democrats use emotion on everything. And they use that to anything that they're trying to push. They always add a sentimental or some type of an emotional argument to justify it. Now, the illegal immigration problem, it's the same thing that they do. Okay, so the Democrats, they're not showing the true reason they want all these people to come here illegally. 
So what they're saying is that, look at us, we're the humane people. And what is that reason? <clears throat> because if they really would tell the people why they want these illegals in here, they wouldn't vote for it. Okay, what, what is the reason that they want them here? Because they've run out of voters. They've run out of Democrat voters. You know, uh, A lot of Democrats, even Hispanics, are opening their eyes to the socialist agenda of the Democrat Party. So the only way they can get these people in here is from other countries that actually come from countries that have a lot of social uh, governments. So the majority of the people in South America and Mexico they come, there's a lot of social programs down there where they've come, their their mind or their brain is acclimated to that. The government should take care of me. The government does do this. You know, they should do this for me. Joseph, is there any any legal deterrent? Like, cause cause the people who are here legally that work, say at Indeed or or any of the tech companies who are here on H one B visas, if you sit there and you talk to them, they know they can't vote in our elections. They know that they'll be purged from our country if they vote in like a national election for a federal candidate now there may be a green light to vote in local elections on certain civil issues where they pay taxes you know maybe for school board or something like that but legally they know that if they are registered to vote and they vote for a federal candidate or if they are issued a ballot that that's not a legal vote and they can be, if they do participate in the election, they can be purged from this country. Well, when you, there's certain people, the ones that are here with working visas, that's one group of people. Uh, the people that are coming here illegally, though, and they've been doing it for decades, one of the reasons that they'll, after they'll come here, what they usually tend to do is they'll, they'll get some kind of legal status, and then they start working on getting their other, you know, like the chain migration you know, other family relatives <clears throat> to come down here. So what happens is that they become part of the system in the sense that they're going to be using public schools, they're going to be using hospitals, uh, utilities, everything, they're going to be using those. Now, there's also some reports from the United Nations. And if you know anybody reads the material from the United Nations, the 2030 agenda that they talk about in, in their material, it says that they actually want no borders and people don't understand how powerful a lot of these uh, policies from the united nations are even to your local cities so there's a reason that we have thousands of people coming across the border and if you really want to talk about collusion if you go down to the border towns you'll see all these people coming over you'll see the national guard there's videos online where the national guards actually help them cross uh even uh, dps are helping them cross uh, they're working with the cartels, telling them how many people. There's a video which says, how many people you got? And he says, I got eight on this little boat. We'll send them over. So these are people that are supposed to be, they're not pushing back. So they've been directed not to push back. And the question is by who and why? Now, when you go, there's so many stripes, convenience stores across the border. If you go to them, you'll see these like, Greyhound buses. You see these vans and they're, Piling them up with a lot of people that are here illegally. Nobody is stopping them. And if you go and you question them, they'll call the police on you and threaten to arrest you. So when people talk about a conspiracy theory collusion, I don't see anything more than that. You know, you got sheriff departments that are not doing anything about it. You got police departments that are not doing anything about it. All these law enforcement, they're just standing by while these people are coming through. 
why is that happening? Who is actually telling these people? Because we know that a lot of these guys, they're good, you know, good people, they're employees, but if they're not pushing back, there's somebody that's telling them not to push back. You know, and that's what we need, we need to look at. But there's a lot of people that are coming and they're just uh, being sent all across uh, the United States. Now, I think it's foolish to applaud that when people say, yeah, I'm glad that we're sending more to these Democrat cities. People that say that they don't understand the Democrat people, Democrat people don't care that you're doing that. You're not, you're not going to prove a point. You know, it's the same way you can't negotiate or reason with a terrorist. You can't really negotiate or reason with a lot of these Democrats because they could care less what you try to prove. And, and it's proven. You know, these people are plotting when somebody sends, you know, 20 illegals to their outside of their house. They just move them right away. They don't care. But, but people are not realizing that these people have been distributed all across the United States are never going to be sent back. You know, and that's actually just, a, you just become like a, a legal coyote. You're just transporting people across the country legally. Which is not right, but well, I mean, there there is the there is the uh, trafficking boost that you know they're making. I don't know, several million every day, every other day. These cartels because they everyone who goes over that border pays. Right, everyone. And, and the ones that the ones that don't pay, then they're actually they have these telephones where they're actually once they start working, they're going to be sending money back to the cartels now. The question is, why is it that all the law enforcement agencies knowing this don't put a stop to it? You know, why is it that the governors mm-hmm. on the border are not putting a stop to this? How can you never hear any of the state reps talking about it? Because this is happening on actually, like in this case, in Texas, it's happening on Texas soil. Right, I mean, right. I want you to talk about how they run these towns, how the cartels run the towns, because I don't think enough is being said. They're saying, well, if then, if that. How? The uh, border crisis or the border immigration, what's happening, it's really multi-tiered. And that's something that people need to understand. They're not organic. You know, they're not just all of a sudden, you know, uh, a thousand people show up there at the river to cross. It's not happening organically. So there's people that organize these. There's been reports of people that try to cross without the cartels, and the cartel will stop them and say, no, no, you can't cross. Because the cartels already have... So there is border control. It's it's just the cartels. I'm sorry, what was that? I said there is border control, but it is the cartels performing it. Exactly. They're the ones that are controlling that. Now, the irony of things is that they control that side to bring people across. Now, when they're coming across, nobody's doing anything to push them back. They're actually aiding them, bringing them across. Uh, most of them, when they cross, they just go up to Border Patrol and say, hey, just register me. If you talk to Border Patrol, they'll tell you that what they do, they'll send them to Border Patrol. And what Border Patrol does, they'll put them on hold for a couple of days, two weeks at the most. And then they release them to the NGOs, which are the non-government organizations that are usually funded with taxpayer money. What these NGOs are doing, they turn around and they send these people to say, where do you need to go? And they'll even help them get funds to send them off to Chicago, to Florida, wherever they need to go. And it's happening. You can see it. If you just go down to the border, you'll see it happening before your eyes. There's a video online about this gentleman that he was getting gas, and he saw that happening. And he approached them, and they called the police on him. And the gentleman asked the police officer, 
uh, sir, are you seeing that this is illegal activity? I mean, these people are here legally and they're getting into this van. And the police officer in the video tells him, there's nothing I can do about it. He said, however, you need to leave or you're going to get arrested. Whoa. Now, does that show any type of collusion or conspiracy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe not by that person, but who is telling these people to stay silent? Who is telling these people to not push back on these on these individuals? You know, and it works. It. And that's Criminals? why I say it's multi-tiered. That would never work if it wasn't approved by a lot of other people. There's a lot of people involved. So it just, there's so many questions. Who is benefiting from this illegal you know, uh, immigration? Who is making money off of it? Who is gaining political power? And... It's, it's very you know, sad to see that a lot of Texas voters don't see what is really happening, you know, and they've really been, once again, with the culture hegemony, they've been led to believe that they need to be grateful that it's only 10,000 a yeah. day instead of 100,000. Okay. And they've accepted that. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, we're running out of time here. Joseph, I just want to say thank you so much for, for attending with us. Uh, we're going to redirect a call in in a few moments. Um, we do have an unsanctioned citizen podcast that does air on Colin.com. Uh, listeners to this podcast can redirect there to listen to additional commentary about these subjects and more, um, at Colin.com. Uh, I just wanted to add before we wrap that it is these NGOs and they do get taxpayer money in addition to other nonprofit status uh, that makes them less suspect to intrusion. Some of those, some of those funds come from UN organizations and um, federal aid organizations, and those organizations are under a global tent. A lot of them are socialist organizations, and unfortunately, um, they do have advocacy and legal arms that do go right back to the spigot and they shake the federal tree for more dollars to finance and advocate for uh, legal aid programs and advocacy programs in these border states. In California, they are all over the place. And they represent the immigrants, immigrant rights groups, okay? And there are immigrants and and you know legal immigration that does need to be covered there have been disastrous human rights cases where there has been suppression uh there have been deplorable conditions in in these uh, detention facilities but the retention of these poor people and you know putting them in a limbo system for possibly years on end uh with no no remission some of those people are still in there, and then the rest of them are scattered to hither and yon right now under Biden. So there is injustice all over the place. There's no continuity of any of this. There are people who are sitting, rotting in a deportation facility. Criminals that are going, Wah! you know, human sex trafficking, child trafficking, People dying in trucks, people dying in the desert, uh, cartels becoming grossly enriched. Those cartels will fund some of these NGO groups on the back end. They'll just siphon a ton of money, hire their lawyers, okay, and then push for more funding. 
So that's what I know about this situation. I just want to thank Joseph Vargas for backing me up and helping us all understand uh, in the Monday, Monday morning quarterback here uh, what had happened during the federal election and, and how we can kind of get behind that in the future if you want less socialism, not more. Okay, so thank you, Joseph. We're going to change horses now. Thank you for joining the Unsanctioned Citizen on Potomatic. It's my pleasure, Sheila. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Potomatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.